Welcome back to part 2 of our interview with Ian McMillan. We pick up where we left off at the end of his first spell at Airdrie before going on to discuss the remainder of his career and then hearing from some of his contemporaries. You left Airdrie in 1958. Um, slightly acrimonious circumstances? Yes, I'll tell you the circumstances of that. Do you know that? Do you know that this... I have an idea, right, yes. Right, When you played five years with the club, you were due a benefit. That was what the... That was what happened in these days. So at the end of my fifth year at Airdrie, I said to the manager, I'm getting married next year. Could you hold it back and I'll get it next year? So that was the end of my sixth year. Right? Right, I got that, all right. But when I came to my tenth year, end of my tenth year, I said, I'm due a benefit. And they said, no, you're not, because you, you, you wanted it gone to your, your sixth year last time. So yeah, I said, but I said, I'm, I told you about it. I said, I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, telling lies or anything. I said, I'm due a benefit at the end of my, my tenth year. So their argument was that you'd only had the cash four years ago. That's right. So that was why I would never, I would never have left Avery, and I felt that was that was disgraceful because I could have said, well, I'll have it now. And I was saving that. <laughs> anyway, that was how it all started, and it was real, I, I was quite annoyed because. I had 10 years with Airdrie, and I wasn't one to leave Airdrie, and I felt that uh, that was below the belt a wee bit, so I hung on, and, uh, and rain, uh, well, it was Alan, Alan, Alan Morton, he asked my father to, uh, was, uh, I, didn't, I didn't sign for Airdrie, and I was uh, two months down the line in the new season, and Alan Morton told my father to come up to see him at his, his house, he was the director at Rangers. So my father went up and he said, when he came by, Rangers are wanting to sign you. How do you feel about that? I says, well, it looks as if nobody, nobody else is coming for me. I may as well have a go there. But in my mind I was saying now, that can be full-time or part-time. So I was in the, and I, I took on and see the manager, chairman, either Simon and I Brooks. And that was what was going through my mind when I went up the stair to see him. Is he going to ask me to go part-time or is he asking me to go full-time? Fortunately, he didn't mention, he only mentioned part-time. He said, you'll be okay to train during the week and see you play, play the, the game on the Saturday. And so I said, well, is that, if that's all right with you, I'll be quite happy to do that. I was jump for joy because I didn't think he would do that. And but, uh, so I trained at the uh, Ibrooks. Instead of three nights a week where it was at Airdrie, I only trained two nights a week at Ibrooks and uh, played on the Saturday and only saw my teammates till Saturday. So that was how that worked out. Who did you train with the Ibrooks? Was it one of the youth teams? It was or? one of the young ones. It was one of the young ones there, yes. Uh -huh. There were no, there were no, uh, the other full, all full, they were all full time, the other players. Except maybe Baxter, who was in the, in the army at the time. So you basically left to your own devices? Well, no, no, I had to train with the young boys. And was it like... The the, 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 the oh, second, you, you were part of their group, effectively, training? Their group, yes, I was part of their group, yes. I think the trainer with the, the second team, we, we took the training. And was it like here, Was it mainly fitness work, or was it more stuff with the ball at, at Rangers? It was more of a, a combination of both, yeah. Because they had a... You had your training in a big park. Well, the trouble was that was a big park to go around, though, as opposed to every field <laughs> to run in. And then you went over to the, what do you call it, the place? The Albion. Oh, the Albion ground. And that's where we had the ball up there. So we got ball up there. Whereas at Airdrie, we didn't get ball up. <laughs> and was that a massive step up from training with the young team to being at the top level and the top flight on a Saturday? Was, were you okay with No, they were good players. You were good players. Yeah. That made that made all that. I I I lasted seven years there, and I said to myself, I'll be lucky to last maybe five years, but because it was a good team, and they were all good players round about you, then I I I managed another two years. So I didn't think I would be able to manage, all because the quality of player round about me was above 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 average, well above average. So it helped me greatly. So that was it. 
Uh, that time when you, you left Airdrie, obviously, there had been a lot of problems at the start of that season. You had your own difficulties, as you'd explained, but um, Davy Walker was unhappy at Terrams and Billy Price as well, and, and they eventually left. That was kind of almost like the the backbone of the team. Right. And yet, a great season for I Airdrie. Know it was. It was a good season. Fifth. I was pleased about that. Yeah. Did, I, was really, I was delighted about that. Mm-hmm. Were you surprised at that? Well, I was in a way, especially with that, you know, that three or four of the team were not playing it played previous years and it was a good team so I was really quite surprised I was I was overjoyed at that who do you think were the, the top players in the edge team at that time well I can't remember now you're sitting there <laughs> this, is, this is where my memory goes a wee bit now I can't I can't remember you name them no? well after Hugh Baird left who was the main goal scorer that, uh, that 58 well, nice side the, sorry uh-huh. there were three forwards who um, shared the goals between them Bobby Black I think John McGill and uh, Gibby Ormond uh-huh. um, so it, it was unusual in that respect well they yeah. were good players and Derek Whiteford was still there playing was he not? no yeah. it was a bit before Derek's time can you remember returning to Broomfield as a as a Rangers player did you get was there any kind of reception were you welcomed back or yeah, well, I was, was welcome. it hostile at all? no no there were no hostility no no no, no hostility because that, that worried me a wee bit going back uh, but, I mean, I didn't want to play with anybody else anyway, so... Yeah, I, th- I don't think... When I come back, we didn't... We didn't were we in the, the lower division when I come back? No, we were on the way, though. Just going back to your Ibex days, um, I think Bob McPhail was involved there and David Shaw at the time, both ex-Airdrie players? Aye, but no, I didn't see them at all. No? Oh, because of your situation? Yes, right. yes, aye, aye. No, I didn't see them at all. Because Bob McPhail looked after the second team. But he wasn't there at training. He didn't take the training. David Kinnear took the training. So I, I didn't see Bob McPhail. Or, and, and Joe Shaw, he worked in the ground, so right. I didn't see him. Just moving away from Rangers and Airdrie for, for a minute, um, you played alongside Gordon Smith a few times. Yes. Now, we use the word unique a lot nowadays, but his achievement, three um, league winners medals with different clubs, I think is truly unique. Yes, yes. Um, he seemed a strange, well, not a strange guy, just from what I've read about him, a, a different type of person. Well, I, th- um, I think he was a loner. Right, that, well, that was one of my questions. Did, did he come across as aloof or...? No, I think I, he was He was a quiet man, very quiet. I, didn't, I don't think he talked a great deal to players. Uh, I found that in international as well. I thought he would be saying to me, him being the, the senior player, uh, you know, what do you think we should do or something like that? But he never, he never said anything. And of course, I, I looked up to him. I thought he was a great player. And I, I was trying to say anything to him. So that was how it was. But he was certainly a good player. And he took a great positional sense. And it made it easier for me on the park. Because he was always in, in ready to, to get the ball. And made, he made the space for it. Your time at Rangers, you've already said, seven years and, and great success. Two league titles, three Scottish Cups, two league Cups. Uh, and you've been inducted into the, the, the club's Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, despite the reasons that you left the Airdrie and that not being as you would have wished, um, do you feel a sense of satisfaction that you were able to get the awards that your talent deserved when you threw that move? I that, that it wasn't only my talent, no. I'm talking about you're in the, a, a Rangers team, and they're all, I told you before, they're all good players, so that helped a, a tremendous amount for me. For Airdrie, maybe you... I had to work an awful lot harder to, to do things, if you know what I mean, because the quality of player maybe wasn't there. I think it was because uh, the, the quality of player that I was playing with helped, helped me a great deal. Helped me. And one of the things I hadn't realised was just the level of success that the team you played in had in Europe. In 59-60, Rangers reached the semi-final of the European Cup, um, which unfortunately they lost 12-4 okay. uh, on aggregate to track Frankfurt. And... Um, a 6-3 defeat to Ibrox which you scored twice mm-hmm. um, but it's just it's what, one thing is incredible that you scored the brace in the equivalent of the Champions League semi-final yeah. as a part-time player yeah. um, what do you think uh, your opponents did better than you in that tie? Just they were, they, were, they were just a better quality of player that, that's certainly that, the, the amount of that but Eintracht were, were, they were a top team and I I thought they would have I said at the end of the game, I was interviewed at the end of that, that game at Ibrooks, and they asked me, how do you think they'll do against Real Madrid? I said, well, the way they played the past two games with us, 
I think will do really, really well. <laughs> it just shows you how poor my knowledge of football was, that they were annihilated, really, in the game. But they, they gave a good account for themselves on the, on the final, final day. Do you think that reflects maybe a feeling of superiority that, that Scottish and English football figures felt at the time towards clubs in Europe? And I, I mean, I take it Eintracht wouldn't have been exactly a big name. This was the days before the Bundesliga. Yeah, it does. Would you have known anything about them before the game? No, given, I didn't know no, anything about them at all. Not no. given any specific information? No, no we, weren't, we weren't given anything at all. But they were a good side. Very, very good side. And I mean, I, I thought... Uh, uh, yeah, what do you call them? I thought, with that semi-final, I thought they were a very a good, a good, good side. And the fact is, they were... Far better than we were. I thought we were a good side. Uh, I take it you were at Hamden for the, the Real Madrid Eintracht game? Yes, I yeah. am. Yes. Uh, what, what were the thoughts among the Rangers players as, <laughs> well, as Real took them apart? Oh, well, I know that. I know. We just said, well, just as well we didn't maybe get by Eintracht. <laughs> <laughs> Did it make the semi-final, the semi-final defeat a bit easier to we say? Said, well, that's true. That's right. Um, on the run to the semi-final, you played Sparta Rotterdam, uh, and this was something I didn't realise. There was no away goals at that point, and after um, a tied score from the first two matches, there was a third leg played at a neutral venue, so 35,000 spectators turned up to Highbury. That's um, right. was it, what was that like as an occasion for the like, neutral venue for the Well, it was game? very good, actually, because we knew that, we knew that if we're going to go on, we've got to adapt ourselves to the, the ground. It was the same for them. They hadn't played in that either. Although, mind you, we had, we had played that because in these days you had friendly games with Arsenal. Mm-hmm. We've One year they come up to us and play and one year we go down and they play. We may have had a better knowledge of it, but uh, it, was, it was a good game. Anyway, we, we managed to go through that one and then that uh, got us into the, the semi-final. And of course, the next season you got all the way to the Cup Winners' Cup final, Fiorentina, as you said. Yes. Um, anything taken on board from the previous season, from the Eintracht uh, no, changes? No, no. Well, I, I mean that was a, a lesser league. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, slightly. The, yeah. the quality, the quality of player wasn't as good as in the the, the top leagues one. So that that wasn't just so good. But we we was we got through quite well, and we did quite well getting to the. But I felt that we were unjustly done it. I worked with that. That penalty because the referee wasn't very fair to us. You had in the first couple of seasons at Rangers a lot of European experience, and I'm just assuming that at that time uh, foreign travel wasn't as common. The countries that you visited, the conditions must have been strange because I would expect to be less English spoken to try and get things organised would have been difficult. Uh, on top of that, you were part time, so I assume you had to get out of the from work, um, albeit you uh, you had an understanding boss at that time. Correct, yes. Yeah, so right. yeah, that helped, that helped a bit, yes. Uh, d- d- is it a part of your career that you, that you enjoyed having these foreign travel opportunities? It, it was, really. These, the, the, these were the things that you looked forward to when you were uh, in Rangers. You knew you had a good chance of playing in the. And the two teams, you either the cup winners or the league winners, you're either playing on one or the other. So it was an incentive to to really go. And I, I enjoyed travelling abroad as well because you were playing other teams all, all over the world and it was really outstanding. And you were playing against players that you wouldn't normally play against and that sort of thing. So it was it was a, a fulfilling event to... to to, after playing in your own league and going and playing in foreign foreign fields and things like that, and it was it helps your game as well. It's that sort of thing. So it really was. I enjoyed I enjoyed doing that and I enjoyed visiting the different countries as well. It was good. And Rangers at that time were successful, which suggests that Scottish football could hold its own. Um, did you learn different? Technical things, different tactical things from playing the foreign teams. I do you think it helped develop yourself as a player. Well, the all, all the more reason I think is, and I've mentioned this to you before, when you're playing for in your Scottish games, it's a movement off the ball it tells, and that even tells more when you're playing against good teams. That we we didn't move off the ball quickly enough. I always felt, and the good teams in Europe were they were sharp. You take Eintracht Frankfurt and uh, Real Madrid, they were sharper than us. At these big games, 
and they obviously knew that that was really important. And I felt that was important too as well, that we didn't do it enough at Rangers. This sharpness away off the ball, quickness away and, and getting the ball quickly. No point in being quick and, and you don't get the ball quick enough. You've got this a combination of both. You've got to move and you've got to get the ball at the same time. That's not something you can really practice in training, is no, it? No, it isn't. No, but that's but movement is always and even even today. You know, I, I said it early here. We, we don't move enough. We're not moving off the ball enough, and it's annoying, really annoying, when you see that. But that's what that's the good teams. They're almost moving quickly, and uh, that's what makes some good teams. If I can ask one last Rangers question before we move back to Airdrie. Um, a lot has been made about the contrast between yourself and Jim Baxter, both as personalities, uh, well, mainly as personalities, the lifestyles, you being a um, Church of Scotland member, Jim Baxter being a, a lover of different uh, things in life. Yes. Um, but you teamed up to great effect in that, in that Rangers side. Uh, and I came across a story surrounding the match ball from your last Scottish Cup final and um, can you can you remember that? Can you yes, I remember that? that distinctly, yes. I've still got it. It's right in a, it's right <laughs> in a cupboard there. Do you want to see it? Uh, yeah, we can do it. It'd be good to see it afterwards. That's all right. Yeah. Coming off the park, I noticed that Baxter helped to get this ball at the end of the game. And I thought, oh, Jim, Jim's wanting that for himself, sort of thing, you know, and that's <laughs> But when I came into the dressing room, he, he handed me the ball and said, I got this ball because I knew you're near the ending of your career, you're just about finished, and would like you to take that as a memento of your last cup final. I thought that was brilliant, wasn't it? You think of Baxter, what he gets up to, and all the rest of it. And I thought, well, good for you, Jim, that's very good of you. So I was most appreciative of that, uh, knowing what like his, his other things are in life, sort of things. And the story I'd heard, though, was that the referee then came in and insisted on getting the match ball back. He did. Uh, at which point Jim Baxter bugged the SFA every day until eventually the ball arrived back at Ibrox for that's, you. That's right, that is correct. Well, I don't know, I didn't know that Jim Baxter had done that, right? But I got the ball back, eventually, yes. And that sort of suggests, that, as well as your relationship on the field, I wondered what was your personal relationship like? Despite being really different characters, did you get on well with them? Well, I didn't. Uh, well, with me being part time, mm -hmm. I really didn't. I really didn't get involved in the the, the first team at all. So, I, I didn't. They, they trained every day during the week and all the rest of it. So the only time maybe we we, we saw each other was maybe going abroad. Mm -hmm. You know, playing abroad and that you maybe had a, a couple of nights or that sort of thing away. But that was the only time I really got involved with the, the full time, other than the Saturday playing. Scotland, <coughs> um, you won six full caps altogether, five oh. of them while you were at Airdrie and then only one oh. at Rangers, which seems probably the wrong way around, I think, in most <laughs> cases. Um, presumably the selectors were always watching Rangers. Did they ever speak to you at the time? No, 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 no. There was no communication no, I mean, at all. You've got to, you've got to remember, uh, when I went to Rangers, I was age well, 28. So you're getting near the end of your career then, you see. So I didn't get any more other than that one. Uh, one game uh, later on, so yeah. Did they say anything to you about that? That you were just being recalled after no, such no, a no, gap? No, 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 they never said anything. There was no, no, no communication at all. None at all. Were you disappointed? Because I would think that international football is very like European football in terms of the travel, playing yeah, time, right. teams from a different uh, footballing, uh, just a different footballing culture, uh, and so you had experience and you'd had success in that, but. Was it something that would you have liked to add more cards? I would have, but obviously I didn't do myself justice in the games that I did play for Scotland. So uh, if you if you don't play well when you get the opportunity of doing it, then it serves you right. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. um, we touched on earlier, you, you're coming back to Broomfield. It was uh, December 1964 you came back. Right. And I think there was a... Airdrie were due at Aberdeen, the game was called off, so you played in the reserve game at Airdrie, oh, yeah. and there was a huge crowd turned out to see you in the oh, reserves, and I think it was a foggy day, from, I'm sure I was there myself, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you quite a good start, uh, I seem to remember the New Year games, I think uh, January 1st and 2nd, we won at Motherwell, and then we beat Kilmarnock, yes. and that just about doubled their points tally, yes, but it right. didn't kick on from there, and no. we went down, can you remember much about it, what went wrong, or? You sure, you sure we didn't? 
I'm sure, I'm sure we, we, we beat. You'll need to investigate that because I think we gained promotion. That was the following season that we gained promotion, yeah. So you came back December 64 and we went down at the end of that season with Thurlanock. They only had seven points for the entire season, right. so they were considerably worse off than we were. And then we did come, we came back up straight away again well, the, the next, next season. Well, yeah. that's the one I'm talking about. Yeah. Right, okay, okay, right, right. Uh, well, obviously, coming back didn't help you very much, then, did it? But <laughs> I relegated. Right, and <laughs> yeah. But the, the next season you, you had was win promotion. And the, did you enjoy your set? What were the highlights of your second spell at Airdrie? Can you? Uh, I thought promotion back to the top five was well. And the, the enjoyment was in winning more games, sort of thing, and getting getting the position that we're able to to get into the the top league. So and uh, that, that was really quite good and going through the season and doing reasonably well. The team doing well. That was that, that was because I was disappointed that we, we were relegated in the previous year, and they uh, felt well. Uh, we need to do better next year, and we did. So that was a big, big boost to to get that. When we came back up that season, I, I was uh, that was one of my good memories as well. It was a season when David Marshall and Tommy Murray scored a lot of goals between them. Correct. Uh, two totally different types of players. Well, yes. Memories uh, of both of those. Well, that, well, that's 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 football, though, isn't it? You need the blend. Everybody needs the blend. You you can't have eleven brilliant footballers playing in the one pitch. You need you need your ball winners, you need your your runners, and you need your skills. It's all in the blend of your football. That's what makes a team. And your second spell at Airdrie was kind of cut short by injury. 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 Um, but you then moved into management and from 1970 to 76. But the, the reason for the injury was, I said to Tommy Duncan, it was a close season of the, the end of that, getting promotion. And we've gained promotion, and we'll need to be fit for the start of the season. I said, you and I will go training before the training starts, and so that we're ready for the the the, the, the hardly burly of training, so that we're not uh, delayed at the back and things. And that was where I injured my Achilles heel doing pre-season training with Tommy Duncan, and that's what finished me. And only. Uh, two reserve games or something like that next year, and I never recovered from that. And it still bothers me to this day. Uh, but you stayed involved and you moved into management, and from 1970 to 76, you became major manager. And we've spoken before about your early playing days, what the role of the coach was. Your approach as a, a, the manager was it influenced by what you'd seen being successful, or did you want to be more hands on than, than people had been with, with yourself? Uh, well, I wanted to be more hands-on, so I think. I always tried to help the players by bringing them upstairs and having a chat with them and telling them that, you know, that you're not doing this right, you're not doing this quickly enough and things like that. Trying to help their play and help the team as well. So I tried to do that occasionally. I didn't do it. I didn't do it as often as I should maybe have done, but... I didn't want to interfere too much with them because we're part time, and you can't. It's already been full time. You can time enough to do it. I felt I tried to help them as best as I could. Whether it was any good or not, I don't know. But I tried to pick out where the faults were to try and remedy their faults. And you had some instant success in the Texaco Cup, and um, Adrian made it to the final of the competition. Yes. Okay, yes. Man City on the way, which doesn't uh, feel like a result that's very likely to to uh, reoccur. Uh, um, how did you enjoy pitting your your bits against the big English clubs? And have you got any stories or, um, from from those cup runs, especially you know, that you encountered a certain Brian Clough along the way? Oh, well, he was he was at the end, of course. I I, I quite enjoy I enjoyed that, but but the point is. It's difficult to say you enjoyed it because that was you were that was taking us away from what I was keen on is to get promotion and things like that and do well in their league. Uh, but it was more money for the club, so that obviously that was a big thing. But uh, just that the the players did extremely well part time and you went down there. We I thought we had no chance at Man City. But they played very well and deserved their two their two results against them and they played extremely well. They played out of skins and uh, did very well, even in other teams, 
I forget now where we played after that. Huddersfield. Huddersfield, that was another hard mm. game. And, and then, of course, the Irish team, wasn't it? Balmina. Balmina, yeah. then we played them, played them away from... Just from Rar. Troubles at right. the team. So, uh, that was a good tournament, other than the last one. Um, 72-3 was... I felt, I felt yeah. in that as well, the referee gave a penalty against us. And I, we didn't think it was a penalty. It was a very, very soft Soft one. penalty, Roddy Aye. McKenzie. Aye, it was a very soft penalty. Because he came out and the centre forward came out and he got he got the ball, but the referee said he'd fouled the, the, the goalkeeper, the, the centre forward. And I, I felt we were ill done by that a wee bit because there yeah. was nothing each up here. That's I think. right, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, moving on to 72-3. Uh, Relegation season again, um, there was a lot of unrest among the fans in particular. Um, there'd been the usual sales, a lot of money for Drew Jarvey and Sam Goodwin, but not an awful lot invested in players. We did get a new floodlight system, uh -huh. which was able to be used in midweek uh, for, for showing matches in colour. Um, so who, who was that that was sold? Uh, Drew Jarvey and Sam Goodwin, they'd both, both uh -huh. gone for, for, for reasonable amounts. Do, do you remember looking for... Uh, Money to bring players in, or well, we're always looking for players. But I think we got, we got, we got Willie McCulloch from from Alloa. That was in we'd been relegated then. I was thinking more of the actual relegation season itself. I think the only major one was we did bring in Tommy Walker to replace Sam Aye, Goodwin. Tommy Walker was another one. I yeah, and, right. and then we signed Billy Holston. Uh -huh. uh, early New Year seventy three. Do you remember any sense of frustration at trying to get investment from the uh, from the club? Was it always a battle to? Well, it was a well, it was always a battle. <laughs> it was always a battle, but I mean, you can understand that in clubs that are provincial clubs, and the the directors are watching the money, and every time they see me, they're saying, "Oh, it's more money." So. Yeah. But there it is. That's how that's how it goes, and uh, you, you know, if you're going into a position like that, that you're going to get. A bit of lag or so. It's, for all for all you try you hard to get money and that, it doesn't always work. So just to accept that and go on with it. Um, we won the second division title in seventy three four, so came straight back up. You mentioned William McCulloch there, who we, we right. went to Halloween and, and yes. paid for. Similarly, David McWilliams. Yeah, the goalkeeper. Yeah. David McWilliams. They were both good signings, weren't they? Aye. Aye. Yeah, they were. Yes. yes. Uh, any, do you remember any particular memories of that season? Or? No, I can't remember. No. No. That's where my memory goes. You get far back now. Yes. <laughs> and then in 1975, um, you played the club to one of the biggest days in its history, um, reaching the Scottish Cup final. Um, on the day, Jock Steen played a bit of a masterstroke by announcing to the Celtic team that Billy McNeil's, uh was going to be his final game for the club. And I've read interviews with you before about your, your frustrations at the match and... Um, uh, you'd had a good result at Ibrox immediately before oh, yeah. um, and I'd hoped to get replicate that but bear in mind it was Jockstein Celtic so one of the, the best club teams the country's seen are you able to look back now with a, a sense of pride you're one of only three managers to take your trout to the, the, the Showpiece Cup final right. um, is that something you, you can look back well, on well that's, right. yeah, that's right I, that, that meant that you were talking about the 1920 you know we talked about earlier yeah, but the other one it was when they were here they were full time yeah the later yeah, ones the later ones the they yeah. were full time then so uh, it was only there was only two of us got the part time then at the end of that season uh, Airdrie were in effect relegated the Premier League was formed yes. uh, and I think you've already given me the answer to this but despite Airdrie's mid-table finish um, they were effectively relegated uh, and promotion to the reduced top flight was also going to be far more difficult because yeah, you're right. you, battling right. against a higher standard correct, of team. Um, and yeah, also around that time was when you um, decided to, uh, to, to hand in your um, resignation for the, the management position and did the change in landscape in Scottish football and what you were going to be up against, was that a factor amongst other no, things? No, the factor was because my last year I didn't do well. I felt the players weren't with me at that time. I think I think the players thought they got to the Scottish Cup final the previous year, mm. and they thought they would come out. I think and think it would be the same again the next year, but it doesn't work that way. You've got to, you've got to give it the effort, in. and I felt I didn't I didn't have the players with me, 
And if you don't have the players with you, you'd as well to say, call it. That's enough. You know, had enough. So that's why I came away from it then. Then you've connected, so you've time as a player, time as a coach, I understand you were a ball boy before you were even a, a player, and it's not even ceased there since 2002 you've been club president, uh, and more recently with the restructuring at the club, um, you've joined Bobby Watson and Martin Ferguson on the uh, footballing committee, yes. um, and I'd be interested just to get your thoughts on modern football, you've already touched on it, but to what extent do you think the game especially at Drew's level, but it's still a part-time team. Do you think it has changed massively since you were involved on a day-to-day -day basis? And what obvious gains do you think there would be for you at the level they're at just now? The point is, we need better players than we've had over the past three or four years. That, that's a plus. We need better players because if you don't have quality players, then you're not going to advance very far. And if you don't have better players, you're going to be stuck in this rut that we're, we're in at the present time. So I just hope that what the manager has got and the number, he signed them early, which is good. A good point to, to have done. As long as, and I don't know them, and they're all new to me. And I'm looking forward to, as I said to you at the beginning, in two months' time to see where we are mm. and how we're playing. So, because I don't know any of the players at all. In terms of part-time football, where you've got limited time with the team, and you managed to have success against full-time teams, what do you think the key things are to, to do within the, the limited contact time you have with the team? Well, they've got, they've, got, they've got to train hard. If you don't train hard against full-time teams, you're going to be off against it. So they've got to work hard, and they've got to help one another. And they've got to be... I keep mentioning this running off the ball. They've got to keep doing that a lot more than what they're actually doing. And that's important to do that because the full-time teams will keep going at you, keep going at you. And if you lack the, the 90 minutes of training that you're supposed to get, even though you're part-time, then you're going to be up against it. So they've got to, they've got to work hard at their training and they've got to, to really get down to it and, get, and help one another on the park and coach one another on the park. And, you know, if somebody's having a bad day, they've got to help them and say, come on now, come on, you know, we've got to coax them and get them to, to work really hard and get the heads of them not to go down. It's as simple as that. Do you think that ethos still applies today, that um, because the power the manager or the coach has nowadays, you said in, when you started it was the players who sorted all that out, the manager now, that, that, that now falls on his shoulders. It it's almost as if the players maybe think, well, it's up to the manager to keep us right here. You're, you're looking for leaders on the park, aren't you? But yes, yeah. With, with young players, that's kind of difficult. Uh -huh. But that's been the trouble, isn't it? You've had young players on there and it's never done us too well. Now we're, we're hoping you get a few who are in the strong positions who are experienced players that are going to do the, 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 on, the, field. On the field coaching. Yes, that's right. You need that. You can't just have a young team and allow them to go there and say, express yourselves. Your grandson, Ian Russell, uh, played for Everyone's, um, not the season past, but the one before. Uh, and you've also uh, two granddaughters, Kay and Laura Bartlett, who've played hockey for Scotland, and with Laura adding to the, the family medal collection with a, a bronze medal at the <laughs> London Olympics. Right. Um, just a, a question that occurred to me. To what extent do you think your ability as a footballer uh, or any other sports person is, is a natural gift? And to what extent do you think you can train someone to be um, a top sports person? Well, there's only a few members of my family who have done reasonably well. There's another half who couldn't kick a ball. <laughs> so I never know how it's going to work out. And in fact, all, all the even the, the new the new babies that are coming into our family, there's four boys, and not one out of the four all play senior football. So they are. Uh, you don't know how that works. It's just one of these strange sort of things that uh, you hope that they do, but obviously they, they, they wouldn't know. They wouldn't know how to trap a ball or kick a ball or anything properly. The four of them. I think nowadays, if they show any ability at all. The assistance is there, isn't it? 
Well, it is. For them. It is. Much it? more so than it was. Oh, aye, in our time, aye, aye without a doubt. Aye, because we had to do it all ourselves. We had to do it all ourselves. But, as I say, uh, it's one of these peculiar things. I don't know how, how that works with the different generations or that, who, how it applies. <laughs> um, to finish up with an open-ended question, um, you've been involved with Adrian's for many, many years in one capacity or another. Uh, when you look back throughout that, what, what does the club mean to you? What's its place in your, your life? <laughs> well, it's, I mean, my father's been involved in it, my uncle's been involved in it, uh, I've been involved in it. Uh, it's, uh, well, every, every to, me, to me means an anaphylactic to me because uh, I've been involved such a long number of years and I want to see it doing well. And over the past four or five years, I've been pretty grim watching the, the standard of football. And I want to see us, and I hope this new formation will maybe do something about it. We'll turn the club around and we'll get up, hitting near the top, eh, and try and get into the top league and do something about it. I, w I would love to take it back on to having a good team, but the point is, you're going to come up against full-time, part-time again. Uh, I don't know how that's going to work out, and it's going to be a problem. But uh, I would like to see us this year doing really, really well and get and winning the league, winning it, so that we know we're going to get up into the the, the next division, and and then we'll take it from there after that. But uh, that's my, that that's my ambition for this year, that we do well, win the league. Don't worry about any of the others. Just win the league, get into the next league, and we'll see how it goes from there. Yeah, I don't think John or I would argue with no, any of that. No, no. Um, to wrap up then, you're known for your modesty, which has been evident throughout this interview, and you're also known as an absolute gentleman. Uh, I'd like to leave you with just some, some statistics from your time at Airdrie. Airdrie have only ever won the second flight on three occasions, and you were involved in two of them. And there's only been 45 Scotland caps won by Airdrie players during the time at the club. You've got five of those. And there's only three managers taking Airdrie to the Scottish Cup final, and you're one of them. Um, you're an inductee in the Hall of Fame, you were selected in the all-time greatest eleven, uh, and you served the club as ball boy, player, manager, director, president. Uh, there's not much more I think the, the fans can say than, than thank you well, for everything well, that you've done for the club. Thank you. That was very kind of you. Thank you very much. That was very good of you. And as Ian McMillan wouldn't sing his own praises, we found some people who would. I'm joined here by ex-Airdronian Tommy Duncan. Um, we did our interview with Ian McMillan a few weeks ago, and Tommy, you were a teammate of Ian at Airdronians, is that correct? That's correct, yes. From 1952 until 63, but there was a period when Ian left to go to the minor team range. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I missed Ian when I came back from the RAF, having done my national service, mm -hmm. And I played with other players, but I was never another Ian McMillan in the team. Ian was absolutely wonderful, but he played in a good forward line. So you were outside left, so you formed part of that, that forward line. Can you talk us through what, what the lineup was at, at that time? I was outside left for a part of the time, mm -hmm. but Willie McCulloch, he was the, the main outside left when I joined the club. Okay. But the forward line, you know, you'd Willie Brown as an outside right ex-Hibs. Mm -hmm. And then he left. John Reid came into the team and played outside right. I used to sometimes play outside right as well. An odd time I got a game inside forward, which I enjoyed. But the, the main forward line was John Reid, Ian McMillan, Huey Beard, Jimmy Welsh, and White McCulloch. And I was sort of reserved for the, the, the early days. But when I came back from the RAF, I was the main. Outside left. That was in 1959. And for those of us who weren't fortunate enough to see Ian McMillan play, can you talk us through what kind of footballer he was? Brilliant. It, it was such a joy to play with him because if you ever got the ball, you just need to lift your head. Ian was there, available. You give it to Ian and he would know what to do. He either played it back to you or played it up the line. or you know, he just His choice of passing, his range of passes... Mm -hmm were brilliant. He was a wonderful player. And within our interview with him, uh, um, John Henderson had uncovered uh, 
newspaper articles about a goal that he scored at Love Street, and I understand that you were lucky enough to, to play in that game with him. Can you talk us through what that goal was like? It was the winner. <laughs> that was the main thing. We'd played, we actually had played St Mirren on the Saturday on a snowbound pitch at Airdrie, and it was four each. We went to Love Street on the Tuesday, and I remember getting a ball through. The thaw had set in, but I got a ball through and scored a good goal. And then I sat across for Huey Bear to score one with his head. We were ahead until, you know, it was two each, if I remember right, then towards the end of the game, McMillan got the ball outside the box. And how he managed it, I just don't remember. But, you know, he seemed to weave past players in the mud and stroked it into the net. It was a lovely, a brilliant goal, typical McMillan. Yeah. And you also said <coughs> that um, we're now used to seeing free kick specialist in the game but McMillan was ahead of his time in that sense he said that he was mm. possibly the first player you'd ever seen taking on free kicks to score I remember seeing him before I was in the first team just watching the game and a free kick I forget who it was against but uh, Ian McMillan put the ball down the wall was set up he stepped forward and he just chipped it <laughs> it finished up and the goal kick was stranded because he thought the wall was protecting that side of the goal. And that's before all the bending of the balls, the, the Beckham bends and yeah. so on. You know, Ian was he was a super player, a super guy. And just to touch on that, as well as being a teammate of yours, he's also a close friend. Yes. Uh, what, kind of, what kind of man's Ian McMillan, for those who don't know him? He's just, he's so genuine. He's, what you see is what you get. He's just, he's perfect. He's a lovely guy. He's, I, I couldn't say a bad word against Ian. I used to go to the games when I was the, a young player and look after his wife, you know, take her into the stand and watch the game because mm. I was friendly with the whole family. And before games, before he got married, I remember Ian and I would meet and have our lunch and then I'd go up to his family home at the far end of Broomfield and sit there and pass the time and then get down in time for the kick-off those are the days without all the warm-ups, yeah. although a lot of us did warm-ups on our own in the on the pavilion. He was, a, he was just a perfect guy, just a perfect gentleman. I'm joined online by former Airdronian George Caldwell. Uh, George, uh, we interviewed Ian McMillan a couple of weeks ago. What kind of footballer was Ian McMillan? Well, Ian, Ian was at, uh, obviously was at Rangers before he came back to Airdrie. He went from Airdrie Rangers and then back from Rangers to Airdrie. And he was never ever full time. It was quite difficult for us to get into his way when he came back, because when people come short, and I'm, I'm playing full back, when people come short, and if someone follows them, you normally put it beyond them, so that the one who's coming towards you can turn and take it from the player beyond. But Ian always gone to me because I missed him out, and what he wanted, he liked the ball into his feet while there was somebody tight on him and he could turn them all the time and once you get used to it it was wonderful because he was such a he always turned people with his back to them he was you'd never see MD doing it now you'd hardly ever see MD do it but he did it all the time and he was just a fabulous wee player he couldn't kick the ball with his left foot but he could do enough with his right foot he was a bit a bit like Puskas on the right foot instead of the left foot and you were at Airdrie for a, uh, most of your career, over 190 appearances for the, the Diamonds. Uh, yeah. And the, later on in your career, uh, McMillan took over as manager. Um, wh- mm-hmm. What kind of character was he as a manager? I think of football managers as people throw teacups about, swear a lot, no. but it doesn't sound like Ian McMillan. No, no, Ian, Ian was never like that. He could get through it without... It, it, I mean, he's the only manager I've had. No, there was two... And they were both at Airdrie, which is strange. Uh, there were two who didn't swear, and that was Ralph Collins and Ian McMillan. None of them swore. And, you know, it was just, it was so unusual, uh, because I don't know many footballers who don't uh, have a wee swear word now and again. Uh, but it was it was quite uh, strange that we had two managers who didn't. But uh, Ian, you always felt it was a, it was a, a struggle for Ian to tell you you weren't playing. Just didn't, he didn't like to do things like that. But as far as the game was concerned, he knew the game inside out. 
he was he was uh, he was a wonderful 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 person. And the, the uh, his managerial career with you in the squad involved a run to the Texaco Cup final uh, with victories over Man City and, and Nottingham Forest. What would yeah, that's right. What do you think McMillan's role was in in that? Was the strength and was it in pulling together good players, or was it the, the, the tactical analysis of the other teams to set you up to to beat them? I don't think. I I, I think uh, in that run in the Texaco Cup, the. Manchester City, for example, and Nottingham Forest, they didn't take the thing too seriously until they realised that we could play a bit. And then, you know, it was too late then because we had, you know, we did really well against Man City and Nottingham Forest. And they were good sides at the time. Both of them were good sides at the time. But uh, we had a lot of ability on our side as well with Billy Wilson and Jarvie and Busby and all these guys. We could score goals. Legendary sports broadcaster, Archie McPherson. We used to go and watch him or, or Airdrie at that time. And then in later life, when I became a teacher, we got regularly to watch a great Airdrie team with Jimmy Welsh and Ian McMillan was the great inside forwards. He was a man of delicate touch, beautiful passer of the ball. And as I found out in later life, when I played five-a-side football against him indoors, I knew he could handle himself because we, we simply bounced off him. But he was a gentleman throughout. I remember he told a story about Scott Simon uh, not being able to readjust the team at halftime when they were one each against Frank Eintracht Frankfurt who had battered them for the first 45 minutes. It was a, an indictment uh, of Scott Simon, but done in a very polite uh, and accurate way. And I got to know him uh, later in life. We played golf together. He was a gentleman uh, throughout all that time good friend, mixed with his wife as well. And um, that, uh, in a sense, summed him up. He's a gentleman on and off the park. I think John, uh, something wrote about Moss, the worst thing he had ever said on a football park against an opponent was away in P. I'm joined online by an Adrian's legend, a member of the Greatest Eleven, over 400 appearances in the Diamond. Thank you for joining me, Billy Wilson. Hi there. Hi Billy. I was keen to talk to you. You played for a, well, over 10 years for Airdrie, but uh, I understand that Ian McMillan was instrumental in you coming to Airdrie. Can you give the background to that? Yeah, well, when I, when I played with Cliff Rangers, uh, 65, 67, 66, 67, um, and Ian had a bad injury in his knee, and actually it was the Airdrie manager then, and they sent him to watch the, the young players with the, the juniors, and the, sent me and Bruce Jarvie from Coastside Rangers. So that was more or less the minute I heard it was Ian McMillan, there was only one place I was going to go. And he wasn't your manager initially, would have been a teammate, but then uh, took over the reins in uh, 1970 to 76. How was he as a, a manager? Ah, it's tremendous. Everybody, everybody had so much time for him and respect, for even for what he'd done in the game. And he knew what he was talking about. Throughout your time at Airdrie, there was a, a level of success, finishing seventh in the, the top league in Scotland, um, which I think was under Alf Collins. But when McMillan took over, uh, you had a run to the, the finals of both the, the Texco Cup and the Scottish Cup. Now, for a, a part-time provincial team to get results like that really stands out. What was McMillan's impact in that? How did how did he have such a successful cup team? He just knew how to get the boys together, playing together and things like that. Um, it was, it was, as I say, everything that the, the boy did, the guy did, was tremendous. Really, really good. And everybody wanted to play for him. And earlier this week, Ian McMillan was inducted into the Scottish Football Hall of Fame. Do you think that's a well-deserved honour? Well, it should have happened about 20 years ago. There was no question about his ability as a player. And for him to do what he did as a manager of a part-time club, it was amazing. I'm joined again by the subject of our, of our interview. Um, Mr McMillan, we recorded way back in the summer. The World Cup was still on. We were hoping that Airdrie might go on to, to win the league this year. Things have moved on quite a bit. Uh, but I thought that was safe, uh, finishing the interview with you, taking a bit of time to edit it because your career ended 40 years ago in senior football. However, I was delighted to log on to my computer a few weeks ago to see that you'd been inducted into the Scottish Football Hall of Fame. Um, how did that come about? Before the proceeding, you just get a call from the SFA. It's one of the ladies in the SFA offices at Hamden. 
uh, to say that uh, the, the committee have met and they, they put my name forward for the, the Hall of Fame. And they, so just to keep it quiet because they don't, and that was three weeks or four weeks before the induction. Uh, so I had to keep it quiet so that nobody knew about it until near the time. So that was how it came. It was a phone call from the, the SFA. And uh, I understand it was a, a black tie awards dinner. Did you have a, a table at that? Was it, is that part of the, the award? Well, well, my, my family phoned up and we had a table. There was about 10 of us, no, 11 of us there at the, the, the function. So they were all quite delighted with that. So that was fine. Excellent. And what what do you get for being inducted into the Hall of Fame? Is there a trophy that goes along with it? I've got to, I'll, just, I'll go over and look at it now. Uh, it's the Scottish Football Hall of Fame, and there's a, a thing at the top, and my name's Ian McMillan in 2018. And it's a silver statue thing, which is quite nice. And I don't know if you know this yet, but um, someone had posted a picture of the, the Scottish Football Museum at Hamden. Your name's on a plaque there as an inductee into the Hall of Fame as well, so that's obviously must be part of it. Was it? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. No, no, that's fine. That's very good. Um, but but well, it's a, a nice way to end the interview to have this catch up with you. I mean, just to, to make the point again of all that you've achieved with all your uh, medals that you won during your career. You're also someone who has only had two senior clubs, uh, but you've been inducted into three halls of fame with Airdrie Rangers and now the Scottish Football Hall of Fame as well. Um, that despite always having been a part time player and part time manager, I know that you're a, a modest man, but you must be very proud of of that achievement. I would only say it to my family. It's a fair achievement, I would say, really. But uh, I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite proud of that, really. But uh, I didn't think it would be taken as early as that in the Hall of Fame, the late, latest one, because you're competing against full-time players all the time, and I felt that it might have been a bit longer before I, I was called on for the the Hall of Fame. But I, I'm, I'm quite fortunate they they did it uh, this year, so that <laughs> that's a big help for me. So. Well, I'd like to congratulate you. I think that too often in life recognition isn't given or with things like this, they're done posthumously. Uh, and I think it's fantastic that you've been able to uh, enjoy that award with, you, with your family on the occasion that you had. Well, it was. It was a, it was a good night. We, we, we all, we, we all, I, I enjoyed it after it was all over, right enough, when uh, my part was over. So, but after that, it was fine. I could relax. But it was a nice night, and it was nice to have all the family round about us at this, well, at, at the meal and that, so... We, we enjoyed that. We all enjoyed that. Uh, it's been a pleasure to do this interview with you. Um, I've learned an awful lot about your career, especially from, from John Henderson, who's so knowledgeable, but especially about your European achievements at Rangers, which I, I must I must confess I didn't realise quite how successful that team had been. Um, it's been a pleasure, and I'm quite sure after going through it all that I'm speaking to our greatest Adrianian. So thank you very much, and congratulations again. Oh, very kind of you, Thanks all for listening. This production wouldn't have happened without the extensive research of John Henderson, the production skills of Ross Owen, and of course, the generous time of Tommy Duncan, George Caldwell, Archie McPherson, Billy Wilson, and of course, Ian McMillan.